Hello, everybody, and welcome to Battle City Broads, our Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast, where we watch every episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Monsters and talk about plenty of other things along the way. My name is Jenny. And my name is Ellie. And today, before we continue... We're back for more Yu-Gi versus Pegasus! Exactly. But before we get into that, get into some shenanigans. Oh yeah. Um, what have you been into lately, Ellie? Oh yeah. Have you watched Red played anything recently? I do. I have something. I have a whole ass recommendation. Wow. For something I specifically think you would like, Jenny, but that I am also into. Oh hell yeah. Which is I finally started watching the anime Lupin the Third, which I don't know if you've heard of it before. I, I love Lupin the Third. I haven't watched all of it, oh, yes. but it's really fun. It's somebody somebody I follow on Twitter for forever got really into it a year ago. And like the sheep I am, I'm like, I'll check some of this out. So I watched some of the movies and they're, it's really charming. It's really good. Okay, so I'll give my pitch for the listeners. To sp- so Lupin the Third is a episodic comedy anime series about a master thief, Arsène Lupin III, who is the the idea is that he's the grandson of Arsène Lupin, um, the well known from the um, well known French short stories from the like 1920s. Also, the persona of the protagonist in Persona Five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> if how that's I know. a more relatable <laughs> reference point for you. I had actually read Arsène Lupin short stories like before I ever started watching the series. For the record, um, honestly, sometimes I. I think I've learned more about European culture through anime and Japanese anime and video games than I did at school, but I won't think about that too hard. But anyway, continue. Yeah, so the premise is it's a long running series. It's been going through since the 70s. And my best pitch is wacky comedy, master thief hijinks about Lupin and his four friends who are all in love with him. <laughs> it is, it's a show has like intense chaos bisexual energy, but it's also very fun. And uh, yeah, his his little squad members are, there's Lupin, he's the wacky master thief, he gets into all kinds of shenanigans, he's a ladies man, he's a master of disguise, he's very charismatic. His uh, squad members are Jigen, who is a stoic sharpshooter with a gun who can like hit any anything and was an ex-mafia uh, hitman, but with a heart of gold. G- Jigen's my favorite, by the way. Great taste. Goemon, who is a Japanese samurai who can, um, with a sword that can cut anything, which is very funny. Um, trust me, anything. Necessary on any thief squad. Fujiko, who is like the... The girl um, who is kind of Lupin's on and off love interest slash friend with benefits, who is another master thief who's always showing up, double crossing them and getting away. I love her so much. I love Fujiko. Fujiko is definitely a you character, Jenny. I yeah. yeah, I know. I was like, guess who my favorite character is? <laughs> totally. I knew it would be Fujiko. And uh, the other main character is Inspector Zenigata, who is the long-suffering cop who is always trying to hunt Lupin down, and he never can quite catch him. He's kind of this bumbling detective. And I've been watching the Part 2 anime, which is from the, I think, like, late 70s, but it was dubbed into English in the mid-2000s, and... Most of the dub is just on YouTube for free, like, from the official Mm -hmm. copyright holders or whatever. And it's really, really fun. That's what I've been watching. Um, I think the dub of this show is great. If you are... This is... I'm tailoring this recommendation. If you really like the 4Kids dub of Yu-Gi-Oh! And, like, some of the way they add wacky accents and comedy and just, like, crazy jokes. But in Lupin... The show is actually originally supposed to be a comedy, so they're never, like, Mm -hmm. removing seriousness. And there's no censorship Mm -hmm. at all because it aired on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network, and so they can say anything um, short of the F word. (laughs) It's it's actually really (laughs) funny because, I don't know, it, it always jars me because Lupin has, like, such a cartoony and the wacky energy and I just never expect them to be like you bitch but they do all the time it's just fun it's good yeah it's like it's because partially the animation is so and this is not a detriment it's like kind of simple mm-hmm. like just the character designs are, are simple but really effective it's like maybe it's just because like in recent years 
I love, oh, I love the art in Lupin. Um, if you're a fan yes. of like animation of that kind of style and older anime, it's great. Mm-hmm. I think everyone is so shaped. <laughs> they are such wonderful shapes. <laughs> even the most recent stuff feels like 90s animation. I mean, I mean, I know it's even older than that, but like, I don't know. I, for me, a lot of my aesthetic anime favorites are from like the 90s mm-hmm. and I feel like it's still like they keep really loyal to that, which is nice. Yeah. So yeah, if you're yeah. interested in, in Lupin, I would definitely say check out part two, the the way the series works. It's all totally, like, you can jump in on any series. You don't have to have seen the previous ones to get in, but it's, um, the subsequent series, there's, like, part one and part two, part three, and I think the most recent one is part six, which aired last year, and there's also a bunch of movies and stuff, but, um, part two mm-hmm. is kind of the iconic one, and that's the one that I would recommend. Like I said, lots of it is on YouTube. You can just jump in. Don't worry about not having like the origin story because I don't think they really gave it to you in part one anyways. Like it's no. just, it's basically just, you just get the basic concept of who the characters are and then you just jump around and watch whatever episode sounds entertaining to you. And the dream way to watch TV. Normally, I don't really watch TV, especially not like episodic comedy stuff. I kind of need an ongoing plot. But for whatever reason, mm-hmm. Lupin just hit me in like a very particular place. And it's the absolute perfect show to like have on in the background while I'm doing something else. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I would second that recommendation. I should watch more of it too. I've, I've not watched that much, mm-hmm. but... We should watch some together at some point. That'd be fun. Heck yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. Have you seen the movies? I've The only movie I've seen, which I didn't even mention, is uh, Castle of Cagliostro, which is pretty well known because it was the debut film feature of um, Hayao Miyazaki, who of course went on to found Studio Ghibli and be like way more famous mm-hmm. for way other things. But um, that movie's fun. Yeah, some of the more me- recent movies have really good reviews and I'd like to watch them. So we should put that on our list. I wouldn't necessarily recommend Castle of Cagliostro as a jumping on point although it is really really good it has like a totally different dub cast than anything else in the whole series and it also has a pretty different tone it's kind of like more kid friendly and stuff but I have seen it and I had a lot of fun I watched it with my parents my mom thought it was like amazing I couldn't get over how they changed Lupin's name to Wolf because there were issues with like the (laughs) rights holders for Maurice LeBlanc's estate the people who own the original Arsene Lupin like copyright (laughs) so they had to change his name a wolf and I was just like who the hell is a wolf <laughs> stop calling him wolf his name is Lupin <laughs> my recommendation is something that I've been replaying recently it's another video game yeah. so it is the game Hades yeah. it's really really good came out a couple years ago got a really good reviews I played it and beat it on my switch and classic me I then saw it was available on PlayStation and I was like I want those sweet sweet PlayStation trophies and also I loved this game and I'd love to play it again <laughs> and just going to buy it again it is so fun it's it's a roguelike but it's really really accessible and fun probably the best thing about it is even if you're not very good at video games the way the game is structured is you're you're Zagreus who's the son of Hades mm-hmm. uh, god of the underworld and basically for reasons that become clear you're trying to escape the underworld Um, You can't permanently die because, you know, you're already in the underworld. The game mechanic is really cool because death is sort of a very understood part of the game. Mm -hmm. And in fact, dying at certain points or like dying more, it unlocks certain abilities because it's trying to help you get farther and farther and closer to the surface each time. So it's hard because uh, in most video games, it's like dying is like failure. But in this one, it's really built in. You can't get through the game and not die at least, I would say, 10 to 15 times. I've heard that. So it really does a good job at making you be like, oh yeah, death is fine. And sometimes, you know, you're experimenting with different, you're getting boons from the various Olympians, you're getting weapon upgrades, you're getting all this cool stuff. Sometimes you experiment and you're able to like go forward on a run that's really good. Sometimes you get your ass whooped and you're like, okay, never doing that again. It's just, it really has a lot of room to experiment. And the characters are really fun and great and the voice acting is phenomenal. So just 10 out of 10 would recommend it. Can I tell you my like two main things that I know about Hades from Twitter osmosis? Absolutely. One is that whenever I would see the main dude, I would always think he was a homestuck troll at first because... (laughs) Oh my god. He deserves better than that. No, but like, he's got that stuff in his hair or that it's like a wreath in his hair. Yeah, he's got like fiery laurels. 
It is the exact color scheme of Homestuck Troll Horns and in the exact right place. And he also has, like, gray skin. I hate how you're right. It's not that I'm proud, but I'm correct. <laughs> and two is there was a bunch of discourse about whether you could ship him with some guy named Thanatos. Yes, Thanatos is god of death. He looks exactly like Edgeworth from Ace Attorney. But he's, oh, good he's for like him. Gray skins, and they are gay and in love. The thing is, Thank basically, you. but then people like invented like an excuse to say that they were brothers or something, right? Even though they're not. Okay, so it's very confusing because literally ninety nine percent of the people in the underworld are um the children of Nyx, goddess of the night, who is a mm. major character. Who because she's literally like everybody's mom, kind of adopted you because you're mom was just not around i just looked up thanatos and he's really hot i like him <laughs> he is he's very fun he's like a cat because unlike other characters you have to like charm them by giving them like nectar gifts and other characters you like know where their home base is and you can like find them and like give them stuff but he like shows up randomly and will like help you kill a bunch of things and then nice. you have to be like pss, 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 like a cat and like give him some nectar before he leaves because Boy, and you only have like a very small amount of time because he's very sundere he's also a very funny character but anyway they were raised together literally everybody in the house of hades was kind of raised together and people don't also mention that zagreus has another love interest who's female whose name is megara very hot you can also romance both of them and it's talked about and totally fine which is cool but anyway megara is also a child of nyx but like not really because nyx is like an otherworldly being like she didn't like give birth oh yeah i i, I read enough of the like this and that to get the idea <laughs> i just think that's funny that's like my main imp it's greek myth you're not allowed to do incest discourse about greek mythology i know i was like honestly and they actually cut out a ton of incest stuff or like it's deliberately fans. changed stuff so there was no incest so i find it so funny i just saw megara she's super hot too good for her she's hot oh my god listen to just a clip of her voice actress I think she might be one of the people who's voiced by somebody from the staff, but literally the hottest voice acting I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I'll look her up later. Literally the first time I heard her speak, I was like, ah! and she's she's one of the Furies. Ma'am. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Ma'am? Nice. But yes, anyway, that aside, yeah, phenomenal game. It's got everything. Dying, romance, Found family. Greek myth stuff. Oh, you get to pet Cerberus, the three-headed dog, whenever you want. Yay. <laughs> That's the best game of all time. So yeah, definitely recommend. It's on Switch or PlayStation and Xbox now, mm -hmm. so you can't lose. So recommendations now put in. Let's get back to Yugi versus Pegasus. And indeed, that's part of the title of this episode. Um, we're starting with Yugi versus Pegasus, Match of the Millennium, Part 3, or in Japanese. Uh, the counterattack begins. Mind shuffle. Yikes. It aired for the first time in Japan, January 9th, 2001, and for the first time in the United States, September 28th, 2002. Mm -hmm. All right, so the episode starts, and this is very interesting because we've discussed this before, but at least in the dub, whenever Yugi is monologuing to himself, even when he's in Yami's form, it is the Yugi voice actor. Yeah, well, I mean, it's. It's the Yugi voice. They're both the same voice actor, but yeah. Yeah, but you know what? But it's the Yugi voice. Sorry. I know what you meant. I just didn't want anybody to potentially get confused and think they're Thank two you. separate people because yes. they do sound very distinct in such a way that I could totally see someone thinking that. Yes, he is very good. So anyway, this is actually an, uh, important in a minute or two because I've always assumed, oh, this is Yami thinking, but it's just in Yugi's voice. Mm -hmm. But this is actually a hint towards the theory that possibly it is Yuki monologuing to himself. So it's just Yami doesn't have thoughts. No thoughts head empty. Yami's head empty. He's just dueling. He's like a little duel robot. But anyway, um, so last turn, Yugi had drawn the Dark Magician and he says, all right, I mean, I can play this and I even have magical hats to hide him, but Pegasus is just going to read my mind. He does that combo anyway because he's like, I don't have anything else to do and maybe this won't work. And um, Anzu slash Taya is even like, oh, even Pegasus won't know which hat the Dark Magician is, is in. But this confirms that Yugi does, like, choose which hat the Dark Magician goes in. Mm -hmm. um, because Pegasus mind scans him and figures out, oh, he's in the leftmost hat. So at this point, Yugi, and very importantly, Yugi, not Yami, goes, wait, Pegasus has his own magic, but I have magic too. The magic that merges me with the spirit of the Millennium Puzzle. So Yugi calls out to Yami... Uh, spirit of the puzzle, 
So they communicate directly for not the first time, but one of the first few times. And Yami's, we can't talk long. I can feel Pegasus trying to claw his way into our minds, which I, I really liked that. Is this when they're, what's visually happening on screen at the point you're talking about? So for a minute there, it's like, it's just like their normal dueling, but you can see both of them and Yugi's faded spirit next to him. Then you see Pegasus sort of like attacking him with the eye. Okay. And then at this point, we get a visual of Yugi and Yami facing each other and standing, which just makes Yugi look so tiny. He's so smart and so tiny. Yeah, this bothers me. I still really, I just, I know it's just a thing that I need to accept, but it really does genuinely bug me that they draw Yugi like so much smaller than Yami. He's like half his height. It's so ridiculous. I will say, I think you could potentially in the mind world justify that as that's how he feels or like the strength of the spirit. Like he feels so tiny. I'm giving them way too much credit, but I feel like you could. I'm not saying you can't justify it. I'm saying I personally do not like it. (laughs) It just annoys you. I just think it's weird and I would prefer for them to be... I just feel like it raises so many fewer questions if they're both the same height, you know? <laughs> and it just looks better aesthetically, in my opinion. But that's just, that's nitpicking. All right, keep going. So something kind of odd happens in the dub, because at this point, Yugi says, oh, if I want to be Pegasus, I have to actually banish you from my mind, which I don't know what he says. In the, well, we'll get to what he says in the sub, but let's finish the scene first. But he says, oh, I got to banish you from my mind. And the, and Yami is like, no, no, we have to work together. It's really weird. Yeah. And Yuki says, but if we keep playing like we have, we're going to lose. He can read our mind because we're working so closely together. So it's a wrong strategy. Instead of usually like we're both observing things at the same time, like mm-hmm. even though Yami's in control, Yuki can see and comment on anything that's happening. But he's saying this time, let's keep our minds separate and just switch back and forth each time there's a turn. Yeah. And Yami says, that's dangerous, but it just might work. Because if we don't know what the other person has played, or even if we're just swapping, we won't have a consistent enough strategy. And we won't know, like, you know, face down cards. We won't know as many things. But we'll just have to trust each other. Exactly. Trust in each other and the heart of the cards. It's really good. Yeah. So I'll tell you kind of in the sub how the dialogue goes is a little bit different. So in the scene where they're swapping or where where it's sort of zooming into an icon of the Millennium Eye, uh, that scene, um, it's Yugi calling out like, other me, my other self, which... Boy, if you did not know previously how to say the phrase my other self in Japanese before you watch this episode, you will learn that it is Mogitori no Boku because they yell it like so many fucking times. All the time. It's that, That's so heartwarming that this is the beginning of it. It's cute, but it's just funny. Um, uh, He's like, other me, other me. And Yami's like, what is this voice I'm hearing? Oh, and then he realizes, oh, my other self is calling me. And Yugi says, you finally heard my voice. And then they meet, and he says, this is the first time we've been able to meet inside our hearts. Aww. Uh, Yugi says that he was always able to perceive what was happening when Yami was mm-hmm. dueling, but that he was never able to affect it. And he says, no matter how loud I shouted, my voice was never reaching mm-hmm. you. There wasn't anything I could do to help you, but I was finally able to reach you. That's so sweet. Pegasus can read your mind, but then maybe he can only read one mind at a time. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene which I have learned from our friends at ujo.net was cut from the dub, which I think is odd, where they swap. It shows Anzu and Jinochi on the side and they're like, what's going on? And Yugi actually looks up and tells them, like, I have this other self that was always battling for me. Well, wait, does that happen after? That happens after he... We haven't seen that yet. Oh, sorry, I might have skipped ahead. Yes, because basically what happens is the way we realize this does work is Pegasus attacks um, one of the hats that he saw that Yami was going to place the Dark Magician in, but then it's revealed Yugi has now taken control and it now physically looks like small Yugi as well. And it successfully worked because Yugi put the Dark Magician in a different hat. Yeah, it's really cool. I love it. Yeah, he probed the mind that didn't know where the Dark Magician was. So at this point, there's a very short scene with Joey and Teo where they're like, oh, what's going on? And Teo's like, oh, it probably has something to do with Yugi's other spirit. And then it immediately cuts to the duel. So I'm kind of bummed that they cut a scene of them actually, like, explaining what happened. Yeah, 
there's a scene where he looks up to them and he says, since I solved the Millennium Puzzle, whenever I duel, my other self takes my place and I'm always watching him. But this is, this time, I couldn't bear to see him, like, suffering during, you know, when needing help. And then Anzu flashes back to that time in, I want to say it was the, like, Shining Friendship My episode or... No, I can't remember. It's it's that that weird scene where I think it's like a, right after they escape the cave. Yeah, yeah. It's that weird scene where y- Yugi like trips over a rock, and Anzu's like, "Wow, this makes me think about our past." <laughs> and then she... I feel like he is the kind of guy who's just constantly tripping over nothing. So maybe she was just like, "Wow, this makes me so nostalgic." Remember when you tripped over that rock outside of class? Yeah, but um, and there was that moment where in that conversation, Yugi said like. Oh, sometimes I feel like I become another self. She flashes back to that and she thinks, oh, that wasn't a metaphor. He literally meant that he had a split personality that took over. Damn. Which apparently she didn't realize before. What she said, it word for word, what she said was, I think she said, I didn't realize he didn't mean it emotionally. Fair enough. If <laughs> Yeah, I want a metaphor. It was Fair real. Enough. It was real yeah. shit. Yeah, in the dub, that's pretty much mm-hmm. all cut. Basically, instead, it's her going like, we don't really know how the Monium puzzle works. I hope everything turns out okay and joey gets a good line where he's like millennium puzzle millennium schmuzzle i just want to help my boy (laughs) i was like thank you joey riveting commentary as usual yes it's also very fun because yuki is honestly yami was kind of on edge and yugi he's definitely tense but he's like taunting pegasus and is like oh he puts a card face down and he literally is like try to read my mind and find out what the card is if you can I love seeing Yugi be confident and cool in a situation under pressure because, of course, Yami is almost always the one who is in charge when they're in a situation like this. So I think it's really fun to get to see Yugi, like, being cool. Yeah, exactly. So Pegasus is, of course, aggroed by this and is like, fine, I'll read your mind. And he fires up his Millennium Eye. Too bad they've already swapped. And when he tries to read Yami's mind... All he sees is the facetown card because Yami also does not know what it is. So they have figured out a not quite foolproof way, but a way to work around Pegasus's mind read. But of course, it comes with its own issues as well. We also have to mention that Yami decides that this technique needs a special name and that it's called mind. He's going to call it mind shuffle, which I think is so funny because it's like you didn't have to name it. I disagree. I think names are fun. (laughs) Yeah, you did actually. (laughs) All right, so it's been a while. Um, we're going to cut back to Bakura and Tristan. They, they are carrying, Tristan is carrying Mokbona's back. They're trapped at the end of the stairway. Some uh, various guards are running up the stairs. This has particularly obnoxious people pointing where they clearly had guns before edited out. Like they didn't even try. <laughs> There's a whole ass shootout scene in a minute that they just, I think they just cut. <laughs> Interesting, yeah, because Bakura basically, they're like, surrender, we might leave. <laughs> With our, we'll beat you up, I guess. Bakura is like, okay, one of the things that annoys me about evil Bakura in the dub is that he always calls people mortals. He's like, foolish mortals, ignorant mortals. That's such a weak insult. I don't know. And also, I guess they're going for like, I'm an ancient spirit kind of thing, which is he? We don't know. (laughs) They're definitely implying it, but it's very... He do be, but yeah. It does lead to one funny moment in a bit, but I just don't like it. But anyway, he's like, oh, it's far from over. We haven't even begun to play. And he takes out his deck, summons a monster, Manator Bug. In the dub, basically, we see the the bug crawl down the steps and sort of like push them away. And they're like, ah, and that's it. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. In um, Japanese, well, first of all, he says, you fight with steel. I fight, I'll fight with cards, which I thought was so fucking funny. Kaiba ass line. (laughs) He would totally say some shit like that. The dual monster card is mightier than the sword or the gun in this case. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, yeah, he he summons this spirit of man-eater bug and um, the guards try to shoot it, but their bullets pass right through because it's like magic. <laughs> and he sends them to the card graveyard. Did you talk about that? He does say that in the dub. So this leads to, that's one of the funny things he says. Um, but he literally turn, Bakura turns to Tristan and is like, wow, present day humans are such fun to terrorize. He literally says that exactly. And Tristan's like, I don't agree. But Damn. then again, I am a present day human. Like, that's just. <laughs> that's a really weird conversation to have. It's like, you're just straight up saying that you're from the past. So you want to elaborate on that a little, bud? 
that's what that's what Tristan says. He's like, who are you? And Bakura's like, I'm someone with great power, but I can't spend all day having all fun. And then he sends the goons to the card graveyard with the morphing jar. And he's like, the reaper of the cards is coming to take you. And I'm like, I was very excited that we got to see the reaper of the cards again. I thought that was really fun. Still very unclear if that means they're going to actually be dead. But Yu-Gi-Oh! Law is you die in the card game, you die in real life. So it's all good. Exactly. Oh, um, also in, in Japanese, there's no like, oh, the mortals or whatever. And record or Tristan doesn't ask him, who are you? Um, Honda says, oh, I recognize that look on his face. That's the other version of Bakura. I guess that really wasn't a dream after all when he turned us into cards and like flashes back to the Yami Bakura episode and he puts it together without even him actually saying. And then he thinks like, what the heck is he doing? So... All right, so Yami is yeah. now in control. Back to the Pegasus. Yuki Duel, Yami is now in control. And he's basically like, go ahead, pick a hat. Try to attack my Dark Magician. But I think you've been relying on the Millennium Eye for so long that your dueling skills have diminished. And Pegasus gets really aggravated and says, even if that's true, I'm still better than you. And he mm-hmm. does a try to attack, and he misses again. Another turn mm-hmm. wasted. Um, at this point, uh, all I can say in my notes all that i say is pegasus literally starts to throw a tanty because i think that's kind of describes him when he's faced with the yami yugi mind shuffle technique we talked about in earlier in this duel and especially in the kaiba versus pegasus duel he's just like totally in control he he literally knew what was going to happen all the time he was very taunting and the minute the tables are not even completely turned like this is not a foolproof strategy at all he just he gets so immature about it which i love and i think yami did hit a sore spot because he hasn't had to rely on the millennium i yeah i don't think he's ever dueled yeah. without it but that'll come up later yeah there's a kind of a nice um moment in the japanese here where what he said was um you relied so much on the power of the millennium eye that you lost all of your actual dueling instincts mm. like you can't even really play the game and then i just thought this was cute yami says my partner has many times more courage and bravery than you do which i thought was yeah. cute and then like you see a little flash of yami or, or of yugi's head over his shoulder and it's like yeah they're supporting each other <laughs> Yugi brave. <laughs> There's one more turn where they swap back with you. He swaps back with Yugi and Yugi plays another face down card. Swap back to Pegasus where Yami gets swapped back in. So there's now two face down cards that Yami has no idea what they are. Uh, Pegasus draws a card that basically negates magical hats. It negates all magic. The Dark Magician has been exposed. So he attempts to attack the Dark Magician with Toon Summon Skull. But Yami says, Yami, Yami's trusting his partner instincts trigger so he immediately switches um with yugi who plays one of the cards living arrow that he had set face down mm-hmm. so it fuses with any card the opponent plays and he's able to neutralize the magic and send it back to pegasus's yeah. tomb world in japanese also um he says yugi says my role was to play the cards and my partner's role was to provoke you. Hell yeah. Which I thought was really fun because it's like Yugi is like meek and just playing and then Yami is the one who's being really aggro and sassy, which is obviously a clear strength of his. So I thought that was very um cute that uh Yugi was the one who was making the more significant plays and Yami was more about the talking. I thought that was a fun yes. um, way to divide up there. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So luckily, um, even though, so the the move that Yugi pulled didn't stop the Toon Summon Skull's attack, um, but the second face down card he had, which was Mirror Force, something we're familiar with, um, reflects the Toon Summon Skull's attack back onto Toon World and Toon World is actually destroyed. It's just straight up destroyed. No more Toons. And I think this is when I wrote down that Pegasus has a tanty because he throws quite the hell of a tanty. So while he's like flipping out, very oh, yeah. cute, very cute scene where Yugi's in control and Yami's like shows up in spirit form and is like, I'm so proud of you. You did really well. And Yugi's like, thank you. Because <laughs> he did do that. That was his strategy. Yep. Good stuff. All right. So Croquet is now like, the score is now Yugi 900, Pegasus 600. Sorry, sir. <laughs> Um, so Pegasus recovers from his little tantrum and is like, okay, I clearly underestimated you. 
Uh, we get a quick cut to Tristan and Bakura. Tristan's like, whoa, all the guards are gone. And Bakura's like, yeah, I fucking killed them all. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't quite say that, but he's like, yeah, I got them out of our way. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then at this point, Tristan's like, wait a second. I think I know that you're not our friends. I think you're not Bakura. I think you're the one. I sort of remember the game we played with Yugi, mm-hmm. and we thought you banished him through the graveyard. Yeah, so he and Evil Bakura is be like, well, if Bakura... And sorry, there's two Bakuras. If good Bakura hadn't betrayed me, um, none of that would have happened. So I need a new host. So I looked at Mokuba and was like, it's free real estate. <laughs> yeah, there's no soul currently occupying this child. So that's interesting. Japanese Bakura doesn't say anything about wanting to take Mokuba's body. Like he doesn't say anything about wanting a new soul. That's completely dub added. But it makes a lot of sense. But I think I think mm-hmm. it's interesting because... I feel like um, Yami Bakura's current host is working just fine for him. <laughs> well, Bakura has the ability to overwhelm him. Like, yeah, we've seen change of heart. He, Bakura hasn't directly, evil Bakura hasn't directly attacked any of good Bakura's friends recently. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a, a good test point. Mokuba's soul body is literally completely uninhabited. And that leads to my second question slash curiosity. I know, I think he's mostly focused on Mokubo's body because, like, mm-hmm. that's the one they found. Very funny that, like, potentially he could have, like, possessed Seto. Kaiba's body would make more sense. <laughs> it would make more sense, but I be- I'm guessing Bakura was like, I literally just need to find any other body. But, uh, Seto, god, I don't even know. I mean, you would think that the, the trade-off there is between having a body that can't resist you in Mokuba mm-hmm. versus like the the agency that you have to trade off by yeah. being coming a ten year old. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Seto's body's also completely unoccupied. I'm just saying, if I was Bakura, I'd be like, okay, we found Mokuba's body. Whatever. I'm gonna go find Seto's body. Going for Seto. I'm guessing he assumes that that one's more heavily guarded. Actually, I'm assuming he's not thinking at all. Well, isn't he washing the dishes or whatever? Of course, that's true. <laughs> that's true he's he's been put to work as a dishwasher we gotta go to the kitchen Bakura, evil Bakura is like i don't want seto's body his hands will be all sudsy see now i'm just kind of spinning out in my head like an au or whatever which we don't have to spend too long talking about this but i do wonder no i wanted to bring it up because i was curious the logistics well just because we have a whole other episode to wrap up and i'm so freaking mm. tired but um okay. the logistics of like what were they gonna do with Mokuba's body after securing Kaiba Corp? Like, do, do you think that theoretically? Okay, so Yami Bakura, all right, we're this is our canon divergence AU. So Yami Bakura possesses yes. Mokuba's body. Sorry to Mokuba. RP to Mokuba, but he felt different. Yeah, RP Mokuba, you're a real one. Love you, boy. But um, Pegasus and the Big Five take over Kaiba Corp. What do they do with Mokuba's body? Do you think they would, like, are they going to let, like, Yami Bakura possessing Mokuba just, like, fucking leave? Like, it just seems so strange and interesting. Love the idea of their plan works and they're like, oh, fuck, now we have, like, an evil possessed 10-year-old. What do we do? Oh, God. The the possibilities are endless. This is, it's true, like, son of Satan shit, though. So the one thing that I will say, too, before we keep going is I think... Honestly, Bakura wouldn't mind being in a child's body because I actually think his strategy right now is to be very below suspicion. Mm. That's why he chose this random twink. Um, <laughs> he, he like, wants to be underestimated. Like, I don't actually think... This is not weird. I actually don't think he has that much pride at this mm. point. Like, he's mostly, like, I'm trying to collect as many Millennium items as possible. I think he would not be against being in, like... He would definitely take the trade-off of, like, I don't have to de- deal with another spirit trying to overwhelm oh, yeah. me as long as I can go through the world easily. Honestly, Mokubi would be the best of both worlds because as a Kaiba, he still has like a shit ton of resources, but then it's like people won't be as suspicious of him or guarded around him. There's just a lot to think about. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. We're we're approaching the end of this episode, and um, so Bakura, basically last thing with Bakura and Tristan is Bakura's like, hand Mokubi over or you'll be sorry. And then it cuts to Pegasus and Yami for the last scene of the episode where Pegasus has recovered from his tanty and says, congratulations. You figured out a way around my Millennium Eye. Let's up the stakes a bit. And he proceeds to summon the Shadow Realm around them. So basically, like this purple fog starts to um, cover the dual arena. Only the dual arena. Yeah, this is now a shadow game. Yeah, it's now officially a shadow game. And more than just other people's souls are on the line. It's all on the line. 
All right. So going on to the fourth episode. All right. So it's the start of the next episode. The next episode is titled Yugi vs. Pegasus, Match of the Millennium, Part 4. Or in Japanese, more interesting title, The Evil Eye Activates, Sacrifice. It aired for the first time in Japan, January 16th, 2001, and another double feature in America, so September 28th, 2002, just like the last episode. Yeah. All right. So this episode actually starts with Bakura and Tristan. So Bakura is demanding Mokuba's body and is like, I'm going to consume your soul if you don't give it to me. And Tristan's like, no. And he's like, fine, I'm going to send you to the car to the soul graveyard which is like yeah he's gonna kill you which is pretty funny so at this point tristan looks at the millennium ring and is actually like huh i know that the ring is what gives him power like from remembering the game that we played like you know back in the woods (laughs) um so as bakura reaches for mokuba tristan at first is like oh okay yeah you can have him i can't beat you anyway but he proceeds to fake Bakura out by throwing Mokuba at him, then knocks Bakura out and takes Mokuba back, as well as takes the Millennium Ring. He then is like, oh, this is what's causing you to be evil. I'm going to make sure you won't be possessed by evil anymore, Bakura. And just throws the Millennium Ring from the top of the stairs into the woods and is like, never come back here. <laughs> Honestly, huge respect to Honda for taking actionable steps to try and deal with a problem that makes sense instead of just leaving the ring, lying around, big, like, he's practical, good for him. Huge L for Bakura for being, like, a incredibly powerful otherworldly spirit and getting literally bodied by a random 16-year-old and outwitted, so big L for Bakura. Not even the worst L he'll take. Yeah, I mean, he's also in the- I don't think that the Millennium Ring gives him extra physical strength. I think he's also just in the body of- this 16-year-old twink, as you have said. So I do think that Honda can overpower him. Maybe if his card draw was a little faster, he could have, like, played Mirror Force or something. <laughs> exactly. He could have summoned some kind of magic. Oh my god, wait. Just uh, thinking about the idea of, like, uh, in future, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! worlds where, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! dueling is everything, you need, like, concealed carry for when you have, like, your deck and you want to, like, not let people know that you have oh a deck. God. Sorry, continue. Jenny, that's literally... That dream that I had that I told you about, not on the podcast, but like a, a while back, I had a very elaborate dream, which involved at one oh, point me and Kaiba being in a cafe where they were like, you can't have weapons. And then they made him take out his Egyptian god card because it counted as a weapon. Oh my god. Oh my god. I remember that. Now. That's literally just the world of my dream. This is the future the Democrats want. <laughs> Oh god, okay, where were we? I was gonna say that in Japanese, Bakura tells Honda he wants the Kaiba Corp key documents or whatever um, Mm -hmm. that Mokuba had the key to. Well, also he says, I'm not the Bakura that you know, I'm the soul that lives inside the Millennium Ring. Because I guess he just had to exposit about that. And then he's like, I want the um, key to the vault with the Kaiba Corporation documents. And if you just hand Mokuba over to me, then I'll let you go free. And Honda's like, well, I'm not going to fucking do that. And yeah, he does the fake out and he hits him. And then also when he like knocks him out, he's like, sorry to Bakura, like the real Bakura, (laughs) which I think is very kind of him. Yes. Alright, so that has been handled. Tristan has taken steps to handle that. Back to the Pegasus-Yugi duel. So mm-hmm. Pegasus has now turned us into a shadow game. We see that outside, it basically looks like a giant dome of purple fog, and Joey and Taya are unable to see into the duel arena. And in fact, um, a little bit later, they're going to approach it and be like, we also can't sense him. We didn't realize it, but we were kind of like sensing him and helping him, and it's like we've been completely cut off, which Yugi and Yami also note. They they know that they've truly sort of dimension hopped because like they can't even feel the presence of their friend anymore. Now they're in a little pocket dimension. Within the Shadow Realm, Pegasus says, this time I think you're gonna find that the mind shuffle is gonna be much harder because um basically everybody once you're in the Shadow Realm you get a mana bar and <laughs> doing anything takes off your mana. I'm only slightly joking, but like basically he says, Oh, the energy it takes to conjure up monsters, like if you're also swapping bodies or swapping minds is gonna be really difficult. Yeah, what he says is um, the monster is uh, not summoned via any hologram, but rather by your own personal emotional strength. 
regular Yugi is he doesn't have the same emotional fortitude to like with withstand the emotional toll of being in the Shadow Realm. The bad vibes are way too strong. And unfortunately, he is correct because Pegasus summons very creepy looking monster, Dark Eyes Illusionist. That seems like not super strong. It's only like 1400 attack points, but he seems really proud of it. Um, so Yami is a little unsure, but he does summon a monster and then they do another body swap or mind swap, mind shuffle. Sorry. And we immediately see Yugi is struggling. Like it's like the second or third turn and he's like clearly fatigued. He's sort of like sweating and gasping for breath. Yeah. Um, Yami, as soon as they swap, he basically immediately in spirit form shows up next to him and is like, hey, we should we should swap again. Um, Pegasus starts gloating and saying Yugi won't be able to last. And at this point, very cute but sad scene where, like, Taya and Joey and Tristan actually all grab their hearts. And they have this moment where we're like, oh, we feel the voice of a Yugi who has been hurt. Like, someone has hurt the baby. Oh, I thought you were referencing um, Obi-Wan Kenobi <laughs> Star Wars. Like, I felt as though... A million voices cried out in pain and are silenced, but it's just one guy. <laughs> Not on purpose, but you're so right. They do feel a disturbance in the Shadow Force. Yeah, Yugi has been silenced. Mm-hmm. Why are they silencing him? Uh, he's a victim of cancel culture. <laughs> he's being canceled by the radical homosexual left. This is inter-community violence. <laughs> Um, so Yugi's doing pretty weak, but he is able to play a card. He swaps with Yami, and Yami attacks with a monster Crystal Dragon that he had played earlier, but Pegasus, of course, planned that, and he is able to use a ritual card that sacrifices the Dark Eyes Illusionist. It turns out it wasn't the monster in question that was to be worried about, but it was actually a monster called Relinquished. How do I describe Relinquished? Well, it's really freaky looking. Great question. Kind of looks like a wrinkly butthole. I mean, just Google it, but it's a real fucked up guy. Yes. I'm not a fan of this guy. It's completely unlike any of the aesthetic of any of Pegasus's other, you know, super cutesy tune monsters. Disgusting. It fits in very well with the general, like, demon aesthetic of a lot of the monsters mm-hmm. that, like, exist in Yu-Gi-Oh! And, like, a lot of the just... it. it has a vague resemblance to, like, Summon Skull. It, it, it is of that type of freaky demon monster that Kazuki Takahashi loves to design. <laughs> yes. It gives me vibes of, um, Zork from the, uh, dun- dun- not Dungeon World. What's it called? The, basically, Dungeons and Dragons episode of, Yu- of Yu-Gi-Oh! Season Zero. Yeah, I know, but what's it actually called? I do not remember. It's not Dungeon World, is it? Is it Dungeon World? I have no idea. What is it called, Jenny? <laughs> you should remember this. Look it up while I describe what the Relinquished does. So basically the Relinquished it has a butthole in front, a horribly wrinkly butthole in front, and its ability is it sucks in monsters that attack no, it. No, I didn't want to Google Yami Bakura X Reader. <laughs> Too bad. Um, but anyway, I love the Yu-Gi-Oh summary of like what happens when Relinquished special ability activates because it's like, oh, it it sucks the monster in into its pulsating maw. And I was like, uh, that's revolting, but that's pretty accurate. Monster world. Jesus fucking Christ. When you try to attack the Relinquished, it'll use the monster that it just sucked up as a shield. And even worse, anytime a monster that the Relinquished uses as a shield is destroyed, Yugi's life points are damaged. So it's yeah. the ultimate shield. It's, it it's ugly as hell, and the card is busted as shit. Um, so Yugi says, we can't give up. We have to mind shuffle long enough just for me to play a card and then retreat before Pegasus can read my mind. And Yami's, Yami actually hesitates and says, I don't know if you're going to last long in the Shadow Realm. Oh, if you are overcome while you're in the Shadow Realm, your soul will be shredded and lost forever. And Yugi's like, I'm willing to take that risk. Yugi draws a card and his vision blurs and it's clear he can barely even see what the card is. He plays it face down, plays a monster defense. He tries to swap with Yami, but unfortunately, just the act of that sort of overcomes Yugi and he collapses. It's pretty rough, man. He's just lying down. He's totally collapsed. Yeah, he's just like literally collapsed completely against the duel station. And all three of the gang yet again get an even stronger pang and are like, no. Um, So Yami calls out to Yugi and he says... He can't even sense Yuki's spirit. And in their mind palace, mind place, 
Um, we see him holding Yugi's like spirit in his arm and is like, no, you can't be gone. It's a lot. It's like, ah. Joey is freaking out. Uh, jo- the whole gang, Joey and Taya are all freaking out. Taya tries to run into the shadowy area, but basically she gets sort of, um, it's like she's running out of it. It shoots her back out again, classic sort of horror movie style. And sure enough, Tristan tries the same thing. So Tristan appears and is like, whoa, and like runs through it too. Don't know where Mokubut or Bakura's body is, but we just see Tristan for a bit. Didn't they just kind of stick Bakura on the side? Because because Tristan showed up with Bakura and he was like, don't worry about it. He's passed out. So I'm presuming they just kind of set him over on the, in the corner. Yeah, that happens that happens later, which I think is very funny. But right now they can feel that Yugi died. So that's what they're doing. They're handling that. All right. So Yami takes control of the body of Yugi's body and says, you're going to pay for this. Mm-hmm. Pegasus taunts Yugi or Yami and is like, mm, you failed to protect your little friend. And um, maybe Yugi would have been better if you'd never been in his life at all. Oh, he doesn't say that in Japanese. That's pretty good, like, cutting banter. Kind of true. I mean, no hate, but kind of true. No, not really. If Yami had never entered Yugi's life, he would have been put in a lot less danger, but he would have been very sad and lonely with no friends, so. Exactly. No, it's definitely obviously net positive in every single way, but mm-hmm. Yami can't probably can't help but be like, there is truth to that. But anyway. Exactly. So, unfortunately, now that Yugi's out of the field, um... Pegasus can read his mind again and knows his strategies. So literally the only card that he won't be able to know is the card that Yugi left face down on the field, but he has no idea what it is. Pegasus can smell blood in the water, so he starts acting way more offensively, or playing more, way more offensively. And he plays a particular card, um, Jigen Bakudan, or Time Bomber, yeah. which is a monster that basically self-destructs in two turns. He was like, Jigen Bakudan, and I was like, Jigen from Loop on the Third? <laughs> it's the same! <laughs> Calling back... Wow. <laughs> I wonder if Jigen means something like, it, it might mean something in Japanese that is in some way related to both of those. I'm almost certain it is, so I've got to look it up meaning. It's like, it's a pretty big word in Naruto too. Where is Jigen in Naruto? Oh, it's dimension. When is When does that happen? I don't know, but it's it means dimension. Like, when do they say that in Naruto? You said it's a big word in Naruto. It's They use it a lot when they're going to the different dimensions of the different, like, summoned animals. Oh, okay. So it just means dimension. Also, when you Google Lupin the Third Jigen, people also ask, are Jigen and Goemon dating? Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> they're all dating. We've covered this. <laughs> Alright, so the episode ends with Yami basically realizing that Yugi's last card is his only hope. The time bomber isn't played, so in two turns it'll destroy all monsters on the fields. Um, since the relinquished actually technically has zero attack points, it just sort of absorbs monsters on the field. Pegasus will be unharmed, but any monsters that Yugi has on the field will destroy him and end the duel. Mm-hmm. The episode ends with Yami sort of despairing and so how will he get out of this one, gang? Yup. How will he get out of this one? So we're four episodes in and things have escalated quite a bit. I really like these two episodes. They're really phenomenal. This is one of the rare dueling. I know we skipped over some of the dueling details, but like, it's really good. The mind shuffle yeah. stuff. That's another thing that I remembered so explicitly from my childhood and it did not disappoint. Exactly. I had such a great time. I think that one thing that this does really well is that these two episodes in particular don't overstay their welcome because it's introducing new things each time. So like we had to deal with Toon World and then now we have to deal with the Shadow Realm stuff. And then in the next episode, we're going to go into like, how does he overcome that? Like it's, the pacing is good. They're not just continually going after the same thing. Like the fact that Pegasus pulls out Relinquish and everything, it's completely different aesthetic and completely different just stuff going on than what we had in the Toon World parts of the duel. It's good. Yes. It, it doesn't, um, like I said, it stays fresh. <laughs> also, really quick, just because I realized I forgot to say this from my notes. Mm-hmm. So when the Relinquished absorbs the Dark Magician, he gets sucked into the hole, half absorbed. And the Dark Magician is the only humanoid monster that gets absorbed by the Relinquished. And I love how they just animate his face. He looks so vaguely annoyed as he's been absorbed and like is like all the shenanigans are happening. Like he just looks like Mondays. <laughs> hey, when you get absorbed into the relinquished demon flesh. But yeah, just a great set of episodes. They do a great job of ramping up the tension. This is definitely, I mean, obviously it is, like I said, the longest one, but this one is definitely a duel with like the highest 
highest stakes, I guess, that we've had so far. And I think that you really, they are really pulling off the, you know, season finale energy, even though this isn't the season finale, but like the end of the arc energy at this point. And I'm excited to see how they carry that momentum through into the next few episodes because I haven't watched it yet. So very fair. All right. Well, is there anything else? Any manga differences? I think I'm guessing no, besides the stuff we already covered last episode. Okay, yeah. So this is something where one of the big differences is that um, there is no like shadow void thingy. They are still in, you know, the shadow game and his soul gets taken and all of that kind of stuff. But Yugi's friends are able to witness like all of this happening. It doesn't have that sort of closed off from everybody else um, thing going mm-hmm. on. So, which I totally understand. I think I'm sure that the anime did that in order to make it more um, visually visually interesting. And just to kind of add to the peril and the drama. <laughs> like, it doesn't really yeah. make much of a difference. But um, it is kind of a notable plot thing that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and let me do... Um, some quick scanning. By the way, this is chapter 69. Nice. <laughs> oh, do this. Nice. Very important to note for some reason. Um, yeah, so when Pegasus initiates the shadow game, um, he explains this backstory about how he created dual monsters, which is something that's been alluded to, I think, in that wacky Halloween episode and will definitely come up more in the future. But what yeah. he says in the manga, we get a page of this where he says, I visited Egypt's Valley of the Kings, and I learned of the legends that 3,000 years ago, Egyptian magicians had the power to seal monsters into stone tablets and summon them to fight battles in the pharaoh's court. The magicians eventually died out, and the magic stone tablets fell asleep deep below the earth. But the legend was recorded in the Book of Thoth. And it was passed down from generation to generation. Eventually, it inspired tarot cards. It's said that all modern card games originally sprang from this source. I created Duel Monsters in order to bring this ancient game into modern times. Now that we're both worthy opponents for each other, both wielding the Millennium Items, we can bring back the power of these ancient battles. Astrology bitch confirmed. Yeah, I love that, like, tarot shout-out. That was pretty funny to me. Uh, that would be such a good segue. One day, we're going, I'm going to, we're going to fight over assigning tarot cards to each of the Yu-Gi-Oh! characters. We should do, like, a bonus episode of that. Yeah. Oh my god, Jenny, that just reminded me. There was this person who was selling um, a fan-made, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! tarot deck that looked so freaking <gasps> cool. And I was really, really tempted to buy it, but it was, like, really expensive, and I had just spent a bunch of money. Ask me for a Venmo next time. It, the pre-order closed yesterday. <laughs> Fuck. Whatever. We'll get it later. I know. It's really sad. There might be, like, a digital version that I could look at later, but I, I did see, like, I saw some of their card assignments, and I thought they looked really cool. I will sponsor that, and I love doing tarot card decks like that because, A, it's they're fun and always awesome, and B, I can always be like, mm, I wouldn't choose that necessarily, even though it's, like, almost entirely opinion-based. Oh my god, they extended the pre-orders to July 20th. Maybe I should get this. Please link it in the Discord. Maybe we should buy it together. <laughs> it's a co-purchase. <laughs> yeah. It's just called, if you just Google, like, Black Luster Tarot, it'll show up, but I'll send, I'll, here, I'll, I put a link in this chat. Okay, I see it now. Well, for this episode, if there's no other manga differences, I think we are good to go ahead and wrap up. Next week, we've got very exciting. We've got the final episode of this duel, and then we've got a little bit of an epilogue episode, which I'm sure nothing important or plot revealing or um, (laughs) Egyptian in nature will happen. I'm sure it'll just be a standard epilogue. I'm sure nothing will happen. Stuff's gonna happen. All right, well, thank you everybody for listening, and tune in next week to see... Will Yugi win? We just don't know. (laughs) Yeah, gosh, goodness, I wonder. (laughs) They think it's going to be real fun. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Battle City Broads. If you have any comments, you can contact us at battlecitybroad on Twitter without the S or by emailing us at battlecitybroads at gmail.com. 